0: In recent weeks, we've been talking a series through about how to reach others for Jesus, how to share the good news. This is after our our annual general meeting where we talked about our goal, that we want people to meet Jesus. We decided we would redouble on that goal. We would say we want to set that goal again. We want people to meet Jesus. And so we've decided as a church that we want to grow to be like Jesus, to be holy, to be Christ-like to walk and talk and think and act the way Jesus acts. We want to love the way Jesus loves, with his deep, boundless, extensive love for all people, no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like. We want to love all people the way Jesus does. And we want to share Jesus' message. We want to learn how to communicate that message, how to pass it on to our family and friends, how to tell others this amazing story of Jesus and who he is and what he has done. And so in recent weeks, our teaching has focused on this, on sharing Jesus' message, which is sometimes and regularly called evangelism. Sharing his message, evangelism. Evangel is the Greek word which means good news. Evangel, good news. And so evangelism is sharing Good news. Passing on the good news. And what is the good news? We read it here every week at Logan. Would we read together Mark 1.15? The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It is good news because the time has come. No more wondering, no more speculation, no more concern. The time is here and now. And God's kingdom has come close. Close enough that anyone can reach out and grab it and be a part of it. And Jesus calls on people to repent, to turn away from their sins and to believe this good news. That God is not our enemy. He is our friend. And he has come to rescue us, to save us, to deliver us. And he has done that through his son, Jesus, our King. And so over these last few weeks, back in September, we talked about that God's mission is our mission. From Mark chapter 6, where the disciples are sent out to share the good news. In October, we spoke about the full armor of God. And we saw that evangelism takes preparation as if for a battle. Christians ought to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. But the person we're talking to is not the enemy. They are a prisoner of dark forces. Our job is to help liberate them. And that takes preparation and planning and a willingness to advance and face the foe. And then we had a message about the blind man healed at the gate beautiful which we mixed with some fan fiction about how he got there, and then the story of Peter reaching out to those in need with what he had, the powerful name of Jesus. And we saw that evangelism means reaching out. It means reaching out with what we've got. And then we had a message about Peter and John being threatened in Acts chapter 4 being threatened by the authorities and told to keep quiet. And their response that it's better to do what God says than it is to do what people say. And then they gathered together and prayed a battle prayer, asking God to give boldness to his servants and to stretch forth his hand for signs and wonders to be done in the name of the holy servant Jesus. Evangelism requires the power of God. And then last week we spoke about Andrew and Philip bringing people to Jesus, bringing close friends, children, bringing strangers to Jesus, and their constant desire to introduce people to Jesus to the point where the only time we hear about Andrew in the Gospel of John is when he's bringing someone else to Jesus. Evangelism means inviting people to Jesus. And this morning we turn our attention to the importance of testimony, of sharing the story of how we met Jesus, of what life was like before and how it has changed since. We've had uh, this morning a series of songs that Stella has chosen, not knowing my topic, but all the songs we've chosen this morning have been songs of testimony of speaking about what Jesus has done for me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me, we sang. Then we spoke to shout to the Lord that he has saved us and lifted my feet from miry clay. You rescued me, we sang. And we just sang a moment ago, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. These are all songs of testimony this morning. Yesterday the men had the great privilege of hearing the testimony of Reverend Sione, of his life before he met Jesus, of the miracles that happened as he encountered the Saviour and how his life has changed since. A wonderful example of a testimony of the way that God changes lives. Evangelism involves a testimony of changed lives. And one example of such a testimony is found in Luke's gospel as we read in the kids' time. We know that Peter had met Jesus before the story of all the fish. We read that last week. Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist and then started following Jesus and he invited his brother Simon who Jesus calls Peter, the rock. And it seems likely that this early group of disciples went to the wedding in Cana, where Jesus turned the water into wine. And then there's some kind of gap, perhaps as Jesus goes and spends 40 days in the wilderness, as we read in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And on his return, he starts gathering together a group of disciples. Like the Blues Brothers, he's putting the band back together. And so he finds them where they've gone to after Jesus has gone into the wilderness. He goes and finds them and he calls them back together. Matthew and Mark's gospel tell just a very simple version of this story of Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, seeing Peter and Andrew and James and John in their fishing boat and calls them to follow and they just get up and follow. But in Luke's version of the story he adds some details which makes for a fun reading. A fun story as we've read this morning. But we'll look again at it as we go through. So Luke chapter 5. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is just another name for the lake of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. There's a great crowd pushing around Jesus, trying to get closer. There's confusion, there's disorder, there's a ruckus. So Jesus steps into a boat belonging to Simon Peter and asks them to put off just a little from the shore so he can teach the people without getting crowded. Because anyone who wants to get close to Jesus is going to have to swim at this point. And so the crowd stopped pushing, they sit down, they listen. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon Peter knows better than Jesus. He is a professional fisherman. This is his livelihood. And here's this carpenter, this builder from an inland village who's now starting out as a strange kind of preacher and healer. This fellow is telling Simon Peter and his crew how to catch fish. Ah, what nonsense. Simon Peter decides to humor him sure Jesus let's go fishing they put out into the water a bit lower the nets and when they'd done so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink Suddenly, there are all these fish, lots of fish, big fish, more fish than he can handle. He's worked hard. He's provided for his family all these years, sweating and swearing and fighting. And suddenly, this builder preacher from Nazareth shows him the impossible. The fish do as Jesus says. They swim at his command. They leap into nets. They leap into the boat because he says they should. And nothing will ever be the same again. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. The appearance of all these fish undoes Peter. He knows that what has just happened is impossible, unheard of. It's supernaturally absurd. It's so incomprehensible that the man who made it happen must be someone. He must be something impossible and supernaturally absurd. He is so amazed that Simon Peter, in the fishing boat, face to face with Jesus, has the same reaction as the prophet Isaiah when he had a vision of God in the temple. Isaiah cried out, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have seen the Lord. And here Peter falls to his knees at the feet of the builder and says, Get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. When a person encounters the real and living God, the first reaction is almost always to realize how unholy, how unfit, how sinful you truly are. No longer secure in your own good works or your power or your capabilities. You realize that this powerful and holy and amazing being is so far beyond you that you really have nothing to offer, nothing to say except to admit your failings and beg for mercy. There are so many fish that Simon Peter can only fall down and admit his sinfulness, and the others around and about him as well. He and all his companions were astonished at this catch of fish, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in the other boat. But Jesus does not leave Simon Peter there on his knees. Jesus knows that Simon's a a sinful man, full of failure and arrogance and stubborn stupidity. But Jesus has chosen his rock-headed fisherman to be one of his crew, one of his messengers, one of his partners, one of his co-workers. So Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They just walked away. Walked away from their businesses, from their families, from their community. They left everything and followed Jesus. They did not know where they were going. They did not really understand what they would be doing. They just knew they had to follow because of all those fish. Can you imagine the scene? Simon Peter's on the way out of town and being challenged by a friend. Someone's coming in from the countryside. He says, "Hey Simon, where are you going?" And Simon says, "I'm going with this fella. What? With that bill, the preacher man, the crazy fella from Nazareth? Why are you going with him?" And Peter just sort of shrugs his shoulders and goes, "There are all these fish. What could I do?" And then later, as Jesus' ministry gets going and challenging the religious and the political leaders, and the death threats start to arrive, and Peter saying, "I have to go with him. I have to stick with Jesus. There were all these fish." And later still, as Jesus is being arrested and carried off in the darkness, Peter follows on alone in the shadows. Why? Because there were all these fish. And then on the day of Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church and Peter preaches his great sermon and 2,000 people are converted and all this noise and celebration and rejoicing, I can imagine someone pulling on Peter's sleeve and saying, hey, what's this all about? And Peter saying, well, you see, there were all these fish and it went from there. And years later, as tradition tells us, not the Bible, tradition, Tradition tells us that Peter was nailed to a cross of his own because the emperor is sick and tired of all these Christians. I can imagine one of the soldiers saying to him, hey, what's this all about? What are you dying for? And Peter replying, well, there are all these fish. What could I do? Friends, your testimony is your fish story, your story of how you met Jesus and how everything changed. You know, some people have amazing stories of conversion, of a life of drugs and alcohol and wild excess and amazing encounters. Others have stories of unlikely events and supernatural coincidence. Others have simple stories of moving from being self-obsessed to being filled with love for their neighbours. Whatever your testimony is, that is your fish story. And there are few things more powerful than an honest story, a personal story, a testimony of a personal encounter with the living Jesus and a changed life. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we have Jesus' last words to his disciples on the earth before he's raised up into heaven. He's gathered his disciples together and he says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here in Australia at the very ends of the earth, we are glad that Jesus included us as well. But the word I want to focus on this morning is that word witnesses. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Go and tell them your fish story. Go and tell them your testimony. We are called to be witnesses. Not the prosecution, not the defense, not the judge, not the jury, not the executioner. We are called to be witnesses. To share our story. What we have seen and heard. The story of how God has changed our life. My fish story goes a little like this. I grew up in the church. I was very religious. I was a very, very good boy. It's true. I left home. I went and lived overseas for a year in Germany. I was a very, very good boy. I came home. I went to church while I was at university. And I was a very, very good boy. A righteous, self-righteous, correct person. And then I'd be sitting in church and the preacher would make a call for people to come and commit their lives to Jesus and my heart would burst within me. And I would feel compelled that I have to go forward, but my brain would say, oh, no, 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 it's just the music. It's just the manipulation. It's just the clever emotional tricks that the preacher is playing and the musicians are playing, the beautiful music. It's just your body. You're being manipulated. Until one day, the preacher said, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you come now and there will be no music and we will sit in silence for two minutes and see what happens friends my heart burst within me and i ran down the steps to the front of the church and i knelt there and gave my life to the lord because i knew it wasn't emotion it wasn't the, i wasn't being manipulated it was actually god calling me and when i actually responded i found that life was suddenly so much more wonderful than being religious and i'm still a very good boy But in some ways I'm a lot better than I used to be. Because I'm good because Jesus loves me. Not because I have to impress him. And I find my heart bursting within me very regularly. I was at a funeral this week. Uh, Doug's auntie passed away. And she was a lovely lady who I knew some years ago. And we went and we sang beautiful old songs. And the band played. And the song was My Jesus I Love Thee. No thou art mine (laughs) And I burst into tears. Are there any questions this morning? While I gather myself together. Are there any questions? I like to stop and see if there are questions something I've said that confuses or upsets you or you'd like to hear more about. And this is also very prompt to you. If you have a question but you're too shy to ask it, my email address is there, my phone number is there. I would love to talk to you about these things. I don't see any questions this morning. What ought we do in response to this? Witnesses have testimony. If you get called into a trial, into a courtroom as a witness, You come with your testimony, with what you've seen, what you've heard, what you know. But do you know that a good witness practices their testimony? A good lawyer does not put a witness on the stand without knowing what they're going to say. Yes? A good lawyer does not put a witness on the stand unless they know what they're going to say. They practice their testimony beforehand. They run through the questions. They say, what happened here? How did that happen? How can we explain this best to the jury? And so I want to encourage you this morning to practice your testimony, to think about it. How did you first meet Jesus in a real way? What happened that convinced you to follow him, to put him first? to make him king, to make him lord, to make him master of your life. What happened? Imagine you're getting on an elevator. And as you get into the elevator, someone says to you, why are you a Christian? What's this all about? Why do you believe this Jesus person? And you've got, what, 60 seconds to explain your fish story. What would you say? Would you be able to do it in 60 seconds? I want to encourage you this morning to write it down, to write down your testimony, to get it down to a simple story, to cut down the extraneous details, the bits that don't really matter. Get down to the nub of the story. And in your handouts this morning, which I forgot to mention, there are handouts there, there's a space. I want to urge you to write that out, to write it out to write it down, to memorize it, to practice it, to share it with someone. I encourage you this morning, look at the person on your left, look at the person on your right, and I challenge you to resolve here and now that by next Sunday you will have shared your testimony with one of those two people, ideally with both of them. Write it down, practice it, tell your story. Now, you might be here this morning and thinking, I don't have a fish story. I don't have a testimony. Maybe you think I've never met Jesus. My life has never been changed. If that's you, then I've got very good news. You can meet Jesus right here, right now, this morning. I urge you to pray a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, show me your power. Let me feel your love. Reveal yourself to me. I encourage you this morning, if you don't have a testimony, pray that prayer. Sit quietly and see what happens. If you'd like some help meeting Jesus, perhaps you would like an introduction. Do not leave here today without speaking to me about it. It would be my greatest honor to connect you with the builder preacher from Nazareth who knows more about fish than anyone who's ever lived and knows more about you than you do yourself. Lord Jesus, show me your power. Let me feel your love. Reveal yourself to me. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we want to thank you for all those fish that long ago in such an amazing way you revealed your son Jesus to those men in those boats and the world would never be the same again. Father, I pray first of all for those who have met you and do know you and have that amazing story to share. Father God, help us to know how to share that story in a simple way, in a compelling way. Help us to practice our fish story, our testimony. Help us to be good witnesses who are ready to be called to the stand at a moment's notice. Father God, help us to do that work of preparation this week. Father, I pray for those who can hear my voice this morning who don't know you in a real and powerful and personal way. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and touch those people just now that you would reveal your power to them, that you would show them your love, that they would have a vision, an unmistakable dream, an amazing encounter with the risen Jesus. Father God, stretch out your hand. Give boldness to your people to preach and proclaim your good news. And Father God, let signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy servant Jesus. In his name we pray man